chapter 4. Praise God. Y'all love the word? Well, let's shout just a little bit. Praise God. Amen. You know, if they, if, if, they, if they brought it to you, you'd be excited about it. They brought you some treasure. So we're excited about the word of God. Well, we've been ministering on how to set the course of your life. And how, you know, sometimes you have to bust the old vision. You got to kill. We actually said murder the old vision. A good thing that got you there. That was a blessing. Did a fine job. But now it's just give out. And so it's you got to get a new one. You got to ride the new one across the river. You got to you got to let that one stay on that side because it can't take you. We've been looking at how to set the course of your life. But this morning, I want to go a different direction. It just seemed like it dovetailed. Uh, I want I'm titling this message uh, uh, how to become. An always answered asker. How to become an always answered asker. Doesn't that just sound like God? That he wants you to have everything you asked answered. And I'm not talking about, yes, he always answers. Sometimes yes, sometimes no, and sometimes later. We're not talking about that kind of answer. The Bible says the promises of God are yes and amen in him. Amen. So we're talking about getting a yes answer for everything we ask. How many of y'all believe that could change your life if you had everything you asked answered according to God's plan? Well, we need miracles. You know, Oral Roberts said it, and I just love, I just love his life. He said, you know, something good is going to happen to you today. You know, just by saying that and believing that, it creates an atmosphere for the miraculous. Something good is going to happen to you today. If you believe that, You'd be on the edge of your seat. There wouldn't be anybody sleeping in church. There wouldn't be anybody looking for a better position, you know, to rest their weary bones. Or, or you know, I'm telling you, we'd be on fire. We'd be hot saying something good is going to happen to me today. And, you know, when he says that, he said that, but we can all say it. You can just tell it comes from the inside. That something from the inside is going to affect the outside. Amen. And the world believes in luck. And, you know, it's, that all starts from the outside. Luck is something that starts on the outside. It's external. But the miraculous power of God, the ability of God, is always on the inside. Hallelujah. So sometimes we have to stop our busy life and get on the inside. Because that's what's driving. That's what's creating. That's what's manifesting. The outside is what's on the inside. Jesus said you can't have something bad on the inside and have something good on the outside. It is a reflection. So we're not working on the outside. Hallelujah. We're not trying to get prettier. We're not going under the knife trying to get ourselves, you know, well, I say that. I don't know what y'all have done. Hallelujah. Y'all may not look that pretty if we'd known you before. But anyway, we're not, that's not what we're working on on the outside. We're working on the inside, and the inside then will affect the outside. Healing comes on the inside. Prosperity begins on the inside. When you're rich inside, money cometh. When you, when, you, when you feel good on the inside, even though everything on the outside is hurting, but you feel good, you just say, I feel fine, body get in line. That's exactly what happens. So there's something good going to happen to you today. Yes. Right now, even as we minister the word of God, yes. you can just see, hey, God could do something for me today. And I tell you, he wants to. Let's open the door. Let's let him in. Amen. And so miracles. What are miracles? Well, it's simply the ability of God overpowering the natural and the routine. It's simply God busting in on your life. It's simply God putting a little bit of heaven here on earth. I promise that's not me. Hallelujah. I'm innocent. And so God wants to do that. He wants you to live a life of miracles. Say life of miracles. 
I tell you, that's God's plan for your life. Is there anybody in here that would cooperate with, that would, would get along with God when he said, I want to give you a life of miracles? Anybody here? Not just one. Well, God, if you could just spare one. You know, a lot of people, that false humility, that thing that says, oh, God, I, I, if you could just give me one, I would never ask you for another. Well, pants on fire, you know, we, miracles don't last that long. As soon as we get out of one, one uh, skillet and one frying pan, well, we're in the fire, we need another one. Amen. So God wants to give you a life of the supernatural. He wants to give you a life of living above. No matter what the world sends, he wants to ha already have a way out and have it look good. Not running in stark terror, well, they escaped. But one that looks good, like, bless the Lord, look how good they look. You, you'd never know what they'd been through. You'd never know what they were faced with. You'd never know what cards had been dealt in their life, so to speak. Why, they just look so good. It's good to have a testimony of where you were naturally and where God took you spiritually. It's good to have a testimony. None of us have it together. But Jesus has it all together. Amen. So we're looking at the unseen here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17. Paul, by the Holy Ghost, he begins to tell us about spiritual things and how we need to get our eyes off of things that are seen. He said in verse 17, he said, for our light affliction. Well, if you translate that in the, out of the Greek, it means pressure. How many of y'all know there's pressure in the world? There's just pressure in the world. Ever, you get up and it's like, there it is, pressure. Pressure to run, pressure to go, pressure to, you know, get this done, don't do that. You know, just pressure all the time. He said, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, Hallelujah. It worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Well, how's that, Paul? While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So Paul says here that the pressure in the world, you can turn it. What, what the devil means for evil, what the world means to put you under, you can turn it. You can make it go around where it'll be a blessing to you, where it'll work uh, for your good there. Uh, faith will overcome the world, praise God. So the word there that says uh, temporal, it means subject to change. I hope you have that written in your margin, that things that you can see are subject to change. Say, the things that I see, the pressure in my life are subject to change. See, God wants to overwhelm that. He wants to take that out of the way. He wants to move in your life. And so you got to look at something, he said, that's not seen, because if you look at what's seen, it's going to remain a pressure in your life. So he wants to take the pressure off. And that doesn't always mean that he eliminates the pressure. How many of y'all know he's in the, we're in the world, but we can't get rid of the world? We're here. So we can't just eliminate the pressure. Jesus said, uh, the, the word says in Acts, for this purpose was the Son of God manifest, that he might destroy the works of the evil one or the devil. Well, that word destroy doesn't mean annihilate because obviously he's still here. It means to undo or untie. So we just have victory over the pressure. The pressure's still in the world. We don't eliminate the pressure, but it just doesn't bother us. We just get the victory over it. How many of y'all know with your one and only life, it's better to live there? Amen. So it, it says we have to look for miracles. We got to look into the unseen realm. Sometimes you got to stop your seen life and get into the unseen life. You just got to stop. You just got to pull aside. You just got to have a get up early or a stay down late or, or, you know, go to the car for lunch thing where you just stop your life as much as you can and just start looking at the unseen realm. It's more important than anything you could fix in the seen realm. 
Believe me, believe me, there's nobody, nobody. We saw a show the other night on Donald Trump and his kids. I mean, just wealthy and just, you know, powerful and just confident and just dominating. But I don't know anything about him on the, on the, uh, in that realm except positive things. But I tell you, in the unseen realm, if he doesn't have this thing, he's got pressure like nobody can imagine. And even though his will and his frame and his training and his, his discipline have coped with that and probably deals with things more than all of us could together, still, Jesus is easier than that. He's easy. He's easy. Jesus said, I'm going to make it easy. So we don't have to have this, uh, this uh, rigor of life in order to have victory. Amen. So I want to talk about this this morning. I want to talk to you to turn to Psalm 139. Psalm 139. Well, actually, let me just read it to you out of this... Uh, you can turn there, but I'm just going to read it out of this, uh, this living Bible. We've got to look at the unseen realm. And, and the way we're going to start looking at the unseen realm is to start acknowledging the daily presence of God. Y'all, we could, we could have a miracle crusade here this morning and just say, okay, anybody need a miracle? You come up here and we're going to, we're going to do whatever we do to get a miracle. We're going to you know, lay hands on it. We're going to speak to it. We're going to whatever. And, you know, there'd be an excitement and we'd see some things. But, you know, you got to go home and deal with things that didn't get called out or didn't get dealt with. You know, to live daily in the miraculous, the supernatural, we've got to go and look at the supernatural daily. The presence of God is your greatest ally. You hadn't got anything more important than the presence, the daily. I'm talking about the daily presence of God. We're not going to a Benny Hinn meeting. And I, we're not, we're no, nothing against Benny Hinn or anyone else to find the presence of God. He's daily. If he's not daily, if you have to go somewhere to see him or get a demonstration or to get a manifestation, then you are, you are uh, the most wretched of all people because he wants to be daily. He wants to show himself daily. He's a personal Savior. He doesn't just lump us all in. I, I know we had a man that we knew in Texas. He, he told Debbie's grandmother all the time, Hutt told her, it says, I want you to pray for me and don't be lumping me in with a bunch of others. <laughs> he wanted personal prayer. He wanted, you know, his name called out and he wanted time spent, you know, on his, on his case. Don't be just lumping me in with some others. Well, God's not lumping you in with others. Let me read you this out of Psalm 139. And it's in, uh, I'm going to start in verse 13. This is the living translation. But just think about how God thinks about you, because this is you and me right here. He said, he said, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit them together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. It is amazing to think about. Your workmanship is marvelous and how well I know it. You were there while I was being formed in utter seclusion. You saw me before I was born and scheduled each day of my life before I began to breathe. Every day was recorded in your book. How precious it is, Lord, to realize that you are thinking about me constantly. <laughs> Hallelujah. I can't even count how many times a day your thoughts turn towards me. And when I awaken in the morning, you are still thinking of me. I tell you, God's cool. Y'all, he's cool. The world doesn't have anything to offer for being a Christian. Uh, I remember that Matthew over, uh, in, in Luke, Jesus said this. Uh, they were talking to him about um, issues. And he said, are not five 
sparrows sold for two farthings and not one of them is forgotten for, before God. Then he said this. He says, but even the very hairs of your hair are, head are numbered. So God's got the hair on our heads numbered. Hallelujah. He's thinking about you. We're talking about acknowledging the presence, the daily presence of God. You can't just get a miracle. It's not just on the shelf. And he just says, OK, angel, go back there and get one off of shelf 17B, you know, and send it on down. I'm telling you, he wants to be intimately involved in your life. In Revelation, in the book of Revelation, and I think it's in chapter three, verse five, it talks about how God, such a faith God, writes your name down in the book of life when he sends you from heaven to be born in the earth. Your parents give you a body, but God is the origin of life. He is the source of who you are. And he sends that down into the earth and you're born of parents and you think, well, I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm Oriental, I'm a Latino, I'm a white, I'm, you know, you think you're this, I'm, I'm male, I'm female, but it has nothing to do with that. That's just the tent. You know, there's houses with green roofs, there's houses with black roofs, there's just, you know, it just doesn't matter. And so it says there that he, sent, he gave you your name was written in the Lamb's book of life. And he said, well, let me just read it to you. I've got it right here. He said, um, he said but uh, he that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. Well, hallelujah. He's not waiting to see if you make it before he writes you down. I get upset when they start, uh, they've done this in Birmingham, where they start naming streets, major boulevards over men that are still living. You know, they've named one in Birmingham, and, um, and now it's not such a good idea to have his name up there. They should have waited. Uh, I, I like to collect American stamps, and they won't let anybody be on anything until they've been dead at least five years. In other words, all the stink has come to the top. Every, everything that could be foul, you know, it could be there. Well, the Lord doesn't wait that. You know, we're stinkers. Sometimes we're stinkers. And if I was the Lord, I'd take a little wait and see attitude. You know, I'd like to see what you're going to do. Show me the money, they say. You know, show me the stuff, and then we'll write you down. And that's how most people believe it or preach it. But the Lord, he's just good. He just writes you down from the beginning. And unless you just bail out, unless you just will not, will not call upon the name of the Lord, you're there. And, and he talks about blotting your name out, but you, you just got to be a stinker. Just will not receive Jesus and he'll blot you out. But otherwise you're in there. Say, I'm in there. I'm in there. Well, amen. So that's important. So we need to be mindful of his presence of his detailed care, of his watch care, of his miracles. You know, not every miracle is one that you would want to put in the paper. Sometimes miracles are just, thank you, Lord, I needed that. Thank you, Lord, I appreciate that. And you know, the miracle power of God, the presence of God, just brings us life in every form, in every facet. It doesn't always have to be where you're at the end of the edge. You're just at the, uh, your rope doesn't go any longer. And finally, God came through. He busted through with a miracle. Oh, praise God, hear my testimony. Write it in a book. Put me on the TV show. I got a miracle from God. No, every day he's got miracles. Every day is full of his ability and full of his power. And so we can begin to expect Miracle living. Now, y'all, in this church, we don't have as far to go as maybe some. 
And we're not bragging on that, but we just begin to expect things. We begin to, to expect it and God comes through. And then when we see someone get a miracle, we see someone get blessed, it encourages us. If you don't ever let anybody share about their, 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 the supernatural, well, then you're never going to have any unction or any expectation yourself. I tell you, God wants you to have an expectation of miracle living. Say, I have an expectation of miracle living. See, my life is a miracle. My life is, my living is a miracle. Well, you know, brother, you know, just being born, just that's a miracle in itself. Breathing is a miracle. Well, it is, but I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about beyond. I'm talking about where God just rides you over the, the high places, just takes you over the troubles. Psalm 91, that's just an example of miracle living. Yes. It just, uh, 10,000 at your right hand and they just can't get to you. Just can't, the, the arrow, it just, it, it just lands somewhere else. It just can't get to you. You ought to read about George Washington. You, you know, that miracle living. I, I'm telling you, I can't go there this morning. But they have documented how they shot him on his horse at almost point blank range. He was in a, in a place where they, they, they had him. They ambushed him. They had him. They, they shot into him. And he just trotted a little horsey on down the road. God. I'm telling you, that's where we got to live. President Washington or, or whoever you are, it's all the same to God. He wants you to live in that place. I want you to notice that God cares about details. I know we like to just say, Lord, if you could just somehow get me through this, the foxhole prayer, Lord, I'll serve you forever. And that lasts as long as till you get out of that spot. Hallelujah. Most of the time. God's a detail God. And you know, a lot of times we, uh, we don't want to give him our details because we think that if we give him details, it counts against us. In other words, you can, have, you can have six details or you can have a hundred headlines. You know, God just blessed me in a general form. He doesn't mind that as much as if, if you ask him specifically, Lord, I need this by Tuesday. <laughs> See, it, it, it's not that way. God's in the details. Amen. Say God's in the details. God's in the details. So we're going to talk about that this morning of letting God be in the details in our life. You might ask this morning. Why do so few people receive miracles? Walk in the miraculous. Let me give you three reasons. Number one, the main one is they don't know how to ask for a miracle. And that's what we're going to talk about in this series. As talking about the always answered asker. But most people don't know how to ask for a miracle. They don't know how to approach God to get what they need. Number two, a lot of them, they don't understand, and maybe you don't either, that miracles... The power and ability of God intervening in your life can be planned and should be expected. They think God just is up there playing heavenly golf with the angels. And when he gets through with his 18 holes, then he, he goes in and showers and gets himself all ready. And then he gets down and he's ready for miracle time. And you just kind of have to, you know, catch it on his schedule. Kind of whatever, you know, God's in the mood for. I'm telling you, you can plan them and you can expect them. Now, that'll change your theology. You can expect a miracle. Oh, yes, we can expect God to bail us out of the tough times. I'm talking about riding above the routine and ordinary times. And then you can plan them. You can actually execute a plan where God comes and he meets you in his, on his terms. And then thirdly, the reason people don't receive miracles is simply this. Miracles are coming and they don't recognize them. In other words, they didn't come in a form that they were expecting. And so to them, it became luck. 
Do y'all hate that four-letter word as much as I do? There's nobody in here that could. Uh, that, that luck that just denies God. Yeah. It just denies God. Luck just said, well, boy, that was good luck. And just denies God. The Bible says in Romans chapter 2 verse 4 that don't you know that it's the goodness of God that leadeth men to repentance. God's putting miracles in people's lives that don't even expect or desire one. He's doing it just to draw them in to his love. So we got to know some things. We got to know what does a miracle look like? And how does God work in those things? This morning, because I'm just, you know, I'm on temporal time. I'm on earthly time. If we was in heaven, I'd just go as long as I wanted to. But since we're in these mortal bodies, we're going to cut this back. I'm going to share with you this morning five steps to change your attitude and thinking towards miracles. Could I have a better amen? amen. Y'all ready? You want four? You want six? You want ten? However many y'all can stand. I'm going to give you five this morning. And you'll be panting so hard at the end of the fifth one, you'll just say, please, Pastor, just, just, go, till, just go till dinner if you need to. Amen. Praise God. Number one, the number one step to changing your thinking, to getting a better attitude, is to find your spiritual position. Find your spiritual position. Get in it and grow from it. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Find your spiritual position. This is so important if you want a miracle. We're talking about being an always answered asker. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. First thing you got to do is you got to find your position. In other words, you got to ask the question, who am I in Christ? You got to find out because otherwise when it doesn't happen on the schedule that you've set, you will automatically say it's because of who I am and you won't know who you are. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, for he hath made him, speaking of the Lord Jesus, he hath made him he hath made him to be sin for us, iniquity for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. You need to know who you are. If you want to begin to, uh, to think, like, uh, think along the miracles, have an attitude, just a little cocky attitude that bless God, I have miracle living. I bless God. Here's what I tell people. And you can tell when people don't know who they are. When I tell them this, I'll say, I'm going to pray for you, and I always get my prayers answered. I'm telling you, religious folks, just, you know, how can you know you do that? Well, I'm going to, I'm going to pray a certain way, and I'm going to pray with an attitude, a posture that, that's in line with what God's already said. Pray this, and I'll do it. Yes. If you know that, then all you got to do is just open your mouth and pray that, and he'll do it. Yes. So you can say that boldly. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray this prayer, and I always get my prayers answered. That's what Jesus said. In, in, in when he was confronting Lazarus, actually his two sisters, and, uh, and they said, oh, Lord, if you'd have been here, he wouldn't have died. And he went through that discourse, and then he told them, then, then, then uh, they rolled away the stone from the cave, and he said, uh, Father, I know you always hear me. They're out there in the desert, just out there, just said, Lord, I know you always hear me. He knew he was fixing to get something happening. He, he knew that Lazarus was fixing to walk out. Amen. And he had to say Lazarus because if he hadn't, if he just said all you dead folks come out, well, it would have been a crowd. Amen. Amen. So hallelujah. So you got to know, you got to know what your position is. Christ, you got to know who you are. Are you the righteousness of God or are you just a poor old sinner? You are uh, you a sinner saved by grace. Sinners saved by grace can't have miracles. 
If you're under last week's little mess up, little boo-boo, if you're still looking about 20 years ago when you had an abortion or when you when you stole a candy bar from, from the, the five and dime or whatever, you're still under that, you know, hoping nobody ever finds out, you know, or worse things. If you don't have, if you're not free of that, you won't be able to last for a miracle because miracles is a process. It's not when God just gets, you know, this Christmas spirit on him and he just, you know, well, here's the time of miracles. We're going to just dump it out. You can plan them and expect them. Another thing you've got to know about, and along this line of your position is you've got to know what is God's purpose for my life? Does he have a plan for me? You've got to know that because miracles are not just so that you'll get happy. Miracles are not a reward for something that says, you know, you hadn't you hadn't lied about your sister-in-law all month long. I'm so proud of you. Just pick a miracle. You know, I got three up here. Which one would you like? It's not that way. You can expect them, but you got to know God has a purpose. He has a plan. He has a vision for my life. We've been talking about that. Amen. And then you've got, you've got to uh, you, you got you got to get in there where you got to say, would father do anything that it required to bring it to pass? In other words, if he called you to be a minister, a full time minister, but here you are, you, can't, you don't even know if Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John's in the New or the Old Testament. You don't even know if there'd be no Old Testament. And there you are, dumb as a stump, just, just happy as a rock. You don't have a clue about anything. But you're just believing God. You need to know, would God take me? Could he take me and put me there? You just got to know God can do it. Every possible plan that you have is probably not from God. It's the impossible ones that he originates. He's the one that steps out and says, you, there's no way you could even think about this. So I'm going to put it in you so I'll get all the credit. So you'll rely on me. So this thing will be pure. You know, anything you put your hand on to, <clears throat> excuse me, sometimes messes it up. Have you all ever noticed that? So that's what we have to do. We got to find out what our position is. Now, I want to tell you all something here. Honesty is more important than being spiritual. If you don't know who you are in Christ Jesus, just fess up. Just say, you know, I have a hard time with that righteousness business. I have a hard time with that just going before the throne of God anytime you want to. I have a hard time with that stuff about where you can just speak in other tongues and, and not have the spirit moving and being in some glory cloud. I, I just don't get that. But, you know, at church, you're just in with all of us, you know, like, yeah, I believe that. You got to get honest because honesty is really more spiritual than being spiritual. I'm reminded of uh, went to a conference one time, a minister's conference, actually. And they had told it was it was going through the lunchroom uh, uh, about a man that had been a deacon for 40 years in his church. He how he had got born again at that conference. Wow, that'd be sobering, wouldn't it? But it'd be better to be uh, a drunk in the gutter and know that you didn't have God than to be a deacon in a church for 40 years and think you had it. So honesty is the best policy here. You got to just find out what your position is. Lord, I just don't know much about much. Lord, I don't even like church. I don't even like preachers. I don't even like, you know, you just got to be honest because that's the point of where God can start hooking into you. He's going to meet you where you are. And if you're not where you are, then he can't meet you there. Amen. So you, you got to say, Lord, here I am. And you got to be brutally honest and just say, yes, Lord. But, you know, you should have some things on the ball. You should have some things about Jesus lined up. Now, we're taking new ground all the time. We're learning things. We're learning that anything Jesus did, we can do. Ooh. Amen. We're, we're learning that as he is, so are we in the earth, Amen. in the world. We're, we're, we're finding out that we shall lay hands on the sick, and they'll always recover. 
You know, we're learning some things. Well, that's that's I don't know about that. Well, see, you got to work that out. But until you work it out, you just got to say, Lord, here am I. The Bible says in Acts 13 that David, King David, served his generation by the will of God. How many of y'all want to serve your generation by the will of God? Well, you're going to need some miracles. You're going to need some supernatural intervention. You're going to need the power of God. And you can't just wait for God to get in the mood. You got to pull the switch. There's going to be some real sad people going to heaven. And, and God says, you know, you could have had more. You should have had more. I demanded more. And you go, well, Lord, if you'd have sent it, I'd have done it. He said there was, there was rules for asking. There was rules for miracles. Number two, talking about how to get an attitude for miracles in your thinking, in, in your life. You got to think and believe in specifics. Say specifics. Say details. See, everybody wants to speak in headlines and generalities. Everybody wants to just say, well, Lord, I need a miracle. Would you just give me a better life? Lord, send more money. Lord, take away the hurt. And my neighbors on the back that throws the beer cans over the, the fence, Lord, the, the, the pit would be okay with me. You know, the dark sands of the pit or wherever, you know, wherever you send the devil, Lord, go ahead and ship them. That, you know, they're never going to make it. We'd all like to just have a better life that was just, you know, cool and fun. Lord, I'm praying for a miracle for a better life. You know, he's not honoring that prayer. He honors things that are specific. He put all these details in here so you could put all those details back in your life. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and might have it to the full. And then he gave us the whole New Testament to tell us what that meant, to describe that. Amen. So we got to get specific. In Matthew chapter 20, turn there with me if you would. You know, if people... Until they get specific, they're not committed. To get specific, to get detailed, is to get committed. Well, are you gonna are you gonna get that? Are you gonna get healed this year? Are you gonna get healed? You know, well, I don't know. I'm just leaving that up to God. If He wants to heal me this year, fine. But it, it may be three, five, ten years, you know, before He heals me, before He decides to. But I'm believing. I'm believing for a miracle of healing in my body. How many of y'all know that's probably not going to happen, like you think? I'm just believing for my marriage to get better. I need a miracle in my marriage. Well, we've got to have a little more specific things. We've got to be a little more detailed. It says in Matthew chapter 20, just as an example of this, in verse 32. Um, well, verse 30 says, Two blind men, behold, two blind men sitting by the wayside, when they heard that Jesus passed by, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O, thou, o Lord, thou Son of David. And verse 32 says, He said, What will ye that I shall do to you? Now, y'all would think, you would just look at that and say, well, of course, Lord, they need to be healed. But I've been, I've been involved in this, and I've certainly read about it, that you think you find somebody that has a need, that the answer is obvious. But, you know, these, these guys could have asked for a seeing eye dog. They could have said, Lord, there's a special down at the Institute for seeing eye dogs, and, Lord, we, they, they've put us at the bottom of the list. Could you put us, could we have a miracle and get off the top of the list? Brother Hagin talks about it all the time. People, people coming up for one thing and, 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 you know, just dragging a leg, you know, or something and, and come up and get healed in their ear. And, and they him say, well, what about that leg? He said, I'm making it. I'm making it. Don't you know, I can hear it. I needed to hear. And so Jesus is in the details. I mean, they could say, Lord, we, we, there, there's a new Braille system that's come out. Could, could we need a miracle to get that Braille book? So it, it seems obvious. But, of course, they said there, they, they answered right. They said, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. But you've got to be specific. Just because that's the need of your life that's obvious to others doesn't mean that you necessarily see it. 
Some people like their trouble. They don't want to be out of their trouble. They've taken it as some sort of, uh, of uh, penance for something they've done in their life and they think I deserve this. I don't even want to dare ask God to take it away. It's my yoke. It's my, it's my punishment. It's my whatever. And so you ask them, do you want a miracle? Yes. And they'll say, and then they'll tell you what it is and it'll be like, what? That's what you're asking. That's what you're believing for. Absolutely. Odd times it's uh, you can't have excellence without a blueprint. You don't go to the builder and just say, well, I need a building out there. And put a couple doors in it and some windows and, and come back and have excellence. You don't want anybody building your house that way, do you? You don't want to contract out and say, I'll give you 300000 build me my dream house, and then come back later and say, that is my dream house? Well, it's what my wife liked. <laughs> She's always wanted to build one of these. No, you've got to get some details out there. You've got to get specific. You've got to tell God, Lord, according to what you shared with me, this is what I'm believing you for. This is what I'm receiving. I'm asking you for this. And when you do, the Lord can either affirm it or he can say, let's talk about it. Let's get your desire lined up. Amen? Amen. You remember, nobody ever got rebuked in the New Testament for being too specific. Amen. Number three, and this one's going to help you. You need to set a time frame for your miracle. Set a time frame for your miracle. Now, see, this is real hard on, on miracle living thinking, but it's absolutely true. People don't want to box God in. They don't want to tell God, now, God, I need this by such and thus. Now, there is a thing. And you know, there's several examples in the New Testament where, where things didn't happen instantly. The Bible says the ten lepers, they were healed as they went. Yes. And uh, we know that the one man that was healed, he, he, Jesus, uh, you know, his eyes, he was blind, and he had to lay hands on him again. And he was healed in a time frame. We know the, that his first miracle, even the, the filling of the, the turning of the water into wine, there was a course of, of uh, they had to go put water in the pots. He didn't just say, behold, and, and he filled up the pots with water and then turned them into wine. They physically had to go down to the well or whatever and haul those little guys back and, and all that. There was time involved. You got to get that. You got to get that. But on the other hand, people don't want it. They, they, they just want to put it out there and just say, well, I, whenever God's ready, God's ready. God's ready. If there's the time lag is always, always, always on us. Because I notice, and this is my own experience, that God always starts soon enough to get you there on time. If you're a hard head and he needs to bring something to pass that will help the, the flow of the kingdom, he just starts earlier and works through that hard head. And so by the time you catch it, go, aha, all of a sudden you're right on time because he started two years earlier. Versus someone else that, would, that you know, they're ready in 30 minutes. So the Lord can't give them two years because <laughs> they'll have done it a hundred times. <laughs> Hallelujah. They're ready. So he's going to work with you where you are. And the time frame is important. Uh, when we ask for a miracle on the open end, we have to be careful and just say, Lord, I need this, but I, I don't care when or I'm not daring to ask you. The Bible says in the Proverbs that hope deferred, hope put off makes the heart grow sick. So the Lord's not going to violate that with you. If you're believing God for a miracle and you hadn't had it in a while and there's any kind of adverse thing going on in your life and a miracle would fix it, it's not him. Are y'all here this morning? So um, we work with time. We, we give God a time. Sometimes what we ask for, what we need involves people, especially in legal things. We need a miracle legally. 
Well, the Lord doesn't just annihilate and burn up the courthouse so those records against you will not be able to be found. Uh, he doesn't do that. He has to work through, through systems and through people. If it's just you and him, Lord, I need, I need prosperity. Lord, I need healing. Lord, I need, uh, you know, it's pretty fast. You know, as fast as you can receive it. But when it involves other people, the miraculous realm takes a little while. And you've got to work through that time lapse of other people. Just like he doesn't just change you into a robot because something you've got or something you can do for somebody else is needful for them to have a miracle. He doesn't just say, listen, I'm trying to get Jack a miracle, so I'm going to freeze your mind for an hour or two. And, and so that, <laughs> no, he doesn't do that. He's going to work and change and, and uh, the system is going to be through people. But I notice that the Lord's got ways to go around people, too, that we would have never thought of as well. Um, Remember in, in Matthew 17, verse 27, P, uh, the Lord Jesus told Peter, he said, Go into the sea, cast a hook, and take up the fish that first cometh up. And when thou hast opened his mouth, thou shalt find a piece of money. Take that take and give them for me and thee. Well, it took a little time. Now, how many of y'all know the Lord? I don't know. He could have brought the money with him. He could have, uh, he could have commanded someone, give me the money. But the miracle involves some time. He had to go find his pole, get his hook, go to the sea, cast in the, you know, and then bring the money back. Are you all with me this morning? We're talking about getting an attitude about miracles. It says, Lord, it's not going to be forever, but it may not be by the weekend either. But Lord, I'm going to be hard after this. I'm going to believe I receive it. Um, number four, call things that be not as though they were. You got to have an attitude that says, bless God. I'm willing to open my mouth. Miracle makers, miracle livers, livers, <laughs> hallelujah. People that live in the miracle realm, they're willing to open their mouth. Are you willing to open your mouth? There's John Osteen, he always said, there's a miracle in your mouth. There's a miracle, say that with me. There's a miracle in my mouth. Let's say it again. There's a miracle in my mouth. You're going to have to call things in. You're going to have to get it in the heart and then let your mouth, like that, that hook and the fish that's got the two coins, you're going to have to put it out of your mouth and bring it into your life. Oh, now a lot of Christians, they want a miracle till you get to that. They can wait and they can adjust and they can, they can you know, but when you say, you got to start speaking about this miracle, they just don't want to go there. Well, I just can't do that. I don't have it. I'm not going to say I have it. I just can't do that. Well, you're probably going to live pretty normal, sedate, routine life. Amen. Uh, Matthew 8, 8 says the centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. Speak the word only. You're going to have to speak the word. The centurion was not, he didn't have to have anything more than just the word. He didn't have to have him come and wave or him burn incense, you know, and wave it around and, and didn't have to come in with special robes and say, oh, booga, 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 you know, I command this and I lose. No, the centurion just said, speak the word only right here and my servant over there will be healed. You got to get that. There's a miracle in your mouth. You got to get that. that says, bless God, I'll, I'll talk it. I'll get it in me. I'll get it out there and create it. Praise God. Um, John 6, 63, Jesus said, it's the spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. I said the flesh profiteth nothing. 
We're not going to get this because, you know, God just loves us or that he's going to have a mercy on us. We have a right to miracle living. And he said, my words are spirit and my words are life. So we can say it the same way. So let's say it together. My words are spirit and my words are life. Now, that's if you're speaking God's words, of course. Amen. So you got to call things that be not. And lastly, hallelujah. Number five, you got to commit to your miracle. You got to commit. Lots of people want a miracle. Lots of people would receive a miracle. Lord, bring it on. But we can see out of the scriptures that you got to commit to it. In Mark chapter 8, turn there with me. That'll be our last scripture. Let's just look at Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8. We looked at this already this morning. You got to commit to it. Miracles, if there's anything that you can say about miracles, is that miracles multiply. Miracles take what is natural and multiply them. Multiply. What you probably need is not something that's never existed before, although that's in the realm of miracles. Probably what you need, you just don't have enough of. You just need more of something good. You need it in multiples. And here it says in verse 18, uh, Mark chapter 8, let's see if I'm on the right here. Verse, excuse me, verse 19. He said, uh, well, verse 18, having eyes see ye not, and having ears hear ye not, and do, not, do ye not remember? Then he's telling his disciples, when I break the five loaves among 5,000, how many baskets full of fragments took ye up? They say unto him, twelve. And when the seven among 4,000, seven uh, uh, loaves, how many baskets full of fragments took ye up? And they said seven. So here he, he talks about the 5,000 and the 4,000. And how them and their wives and their children, their families, were all fed and they had fragments took up. you got to commit to your miracle. That means you're going to have to invest in your miracle. you got to invest. It's not like, well, Lord, I believe. Now, what are you going to do? There is a side to that. Praise God. But there's a side that says, Lord, I believe. What do you want me to do? Because you're going to multiply and increase and cause something to happen from what I do. Whatever I put my hand to is going to prosper. You can't just be that little bird in the nest that says, well, I'm going to open my mouth and see if something falls in. We've got to get committed to it. Say, bless God, I got a miracle. Bless God, I got what I need. I have miracle living in my life. See, now we got to have an attitude, and we're going to develop this later on. We're going to go on this about having always, being an always answered asker. Where it's not wooey wooey, oh, someone's in the miracle realm. Don't bother them. There's a big cloud over them, and they're just kind of silly right now because they're over in the spirit. It's like, no, straight up, just you and me walking down the road, we begin to say, Lord, I'm fixing to pray a prayer. I'm fixing to petition you, and it's going to be accurate. It's going to be on time. It's going to be full of faith. And Father, I thank you right now. I have it and then having it. This is pretty exciting. If you can do this, you're going to have an exciting life. Well, there's nothing else going on there. You know, Disneyland's too far away. And uh, they, you don't have enough money to take a space shuttle trip. So we might as well live in the miraculous realm. Praise his name. Amen. The... Uh, the thing we want, need to do right now is you just got to want one. What we're doing today is you just got to say, do I even want a miracle? 
Those are the five things that I can find from the word of God that tell you that that you have to kind of line up to and say, okay, that's what it's going to take to get a miracle. Was there any of them in there? You'd say, you know, I just can't do that. I just couldn't do that. I just couldn't be a detail person. I just couldn't call it in. I just couldn't get committed. Uh, I just couldn't wait for one. No, I think all of them in there I could do. How about you? I think all of them in there I could say, you know, that's all it takes to get a miracle. I believe I'll start asking for one. Lord, I'm not asking you for a miracle right now. I'm asking you, listen to me, I'm asking you how to ask you. That's important. And that's what we're going to talk about. I'm not asking you for a miracle because, Lord, if I ask one for one right now out of my knowledge, out of where I am, I don't have a confidence that I'll get it. You know, that'll hurt you. It'll hurt you when you sincerely say, God, I need help. But we ask amiss. James tells us you have not because you ask not. And uh, and then also the second reason is you ask amiss. You know, that'll hurt you because you're not as bold to come back and ask again the same way. We just hadn't known enough. So right now we're going to ask God how to ask God. Well, what difference does it make? He, he ought to know. No, there's people that have a heart towards God, but until they receive Jesus Christ, they don't get born again, do they? No. Well, there's many ways to God, many ways to heaven. No, there's one way. His name is Jesus. Well, I just believe that he'll give me the Holy Ghost if he wants me to have it. No, there's a specific way to receive the Holy Spirit. You have to ask for him. Well, if he wants me healed, he can just heal me. No, that's not how it works, is it? So we know that there's a lot of people going without because they have a wrong, they have a wrong revelation, a wrong knowledge base about how to ask God. You have to say, this week I was involved with, uh, in, 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 a, in a petition, actually in a, uh, uh, not a petition, it was a, uh, it was a motion before a judge. Not about me, about somebody else. And this thing was detailed. It was full of what they call boilerplate. It just had a, whereas the petitioner comes and, and the plaintiff goes and, and, and we're turning here and we're asking you to, it was detailed, it was wordy, it was whatever, it was three pages long and it basically just had one little request out of all that. Well, God's not that way, but on the other hand, he's very legal and the devil can't get in that system. So we come by the Lord Jesus and we ask accurately, according to this and according to this, and it always happens. How many of y'all know when you go home today, if you, if you can, you have a confidence that your key going in the front door will open that door. You don't go up and down the, you know, block saying, I wonder which, which house is mine. We need to have that same confidence about prayer. Let's stand up this morning. Praise his name.